In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. My soul rejoices to pursue the steps of him I love, till glory breaks upon my view in brighter words above. Once again, Carolyn has found the perfect hymn text for today's gospel texts. The hymn text is by the poet George Cooper. Cooper was an evangelical. For his whole life, he struggled with depression, a disease which attacks the physical structure which interconnects our thoughts. He wondered if God really loved him enough to have saved him. His life was overshadowed by the gloom of doubt, and he was often plunged into black despair. Yet his poetry is radiant with the light and the white-hot heat of the love of God in Christ and in his word, a love which he expresses with a confidence so profoundly rooted as to enable it to flow irresistibly to the reader. My soul rejoices to pursue the steps of him I love. To pursue that which one loves is to give that love its fullest expression. Indeed, love for us is all about pursuing, chasing down and getting hold of that which so moves us, which has so captivated our desire. A man ran up and knelt before Jesus and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Love, the pursuit of the beloved. Jesus is being pursued as always. His pursuers want him alive or they want him dead. And there are pursuers who want not him, but what is his. His prestige, his power, even the spiritual goods that he possesses. They want something from him. This young man, wealthy and privileged, endowed fully with all the power, prestige, and possessions that this world can give, is pursuing Jesus because Jesus has something he feels he has missed, something he wants. What does he want, this young man? One more inheritance, the life of the age to come, eternal life, because the age to come will be endless. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Jesus says, to get what you want from me, there is something you first need, something you do not have, something else. What is that something else? Treasure in heaven. And what on earth is that? Treasure, we understand. It's anything anybody wants. But we are now dealing with transcendental treasure, with eternity and infinity, If you want the life of eternity, the life of heaven, the life that allows you to transcend the limitations of this life of time and space, you must have made a deposit of some kind, treasure on the other side. Now, we have heard about this treasure. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. That's Matthew's account of this uh, moment It sounds like heaven is a safer heaven, in other words, a safer haven, a more secure place to invest than earth. What we have here and now, whether possessions or power or prestige, can easily be taken away in a flash, robbed. All we have to do is watch the evening news. So we tend to be anxious about them, 
We worry. We are always concerned to protect them. How, however, do we transfer our treasure from earth to heaven? How do we get our earthly treasure deposited in that safe place? Is there some kind of currency exchange where you have someone transfer earthly treasure into heavenly treasure? Well, the answer is yes, but watch it in Luke. Sell your possessions, give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There will your love also find its fulfillment. Simple enough, asked and answered. The rich young man's problem has been solved. And Jesus throws in one more invitation, follow me. And now it all comes apart. Instead of taking up the invitation, following Jesus' advice, liquidating everything, and then following Jesus, who is the way to eternal life, the young man excuses himself, claiming pressing duties, and goes the other way. Did the young man not really want what he asked for? Yes, but not at that price not at the price of giving up what he had and therefore what he was, not at the cost of what he loved. For for that young man and for all of us in some way, what we have in this world's values, this world's goods, is what we are. And this man had no lack of love if we look at it that way. What the man lacked was faith, not love. Faith that Jesus promised was backed up by reality. Faith enough to give up what he could see and touch and count and lock up in some strong box for that which is beyond sight, that which we know only through faith. There are two kinds of love. Love for that which is seen and love for that which is not seen. Love for that which is and love for that which is not love for that which we have by sight, love for that which we have by faith. In this world, we love, we are attracted to that which is, which means that which is, which is lovable. Let's clarify that. That's how humans love. Whether we love the three Ps or even great ideas like truth and goodness and beauty or even God or even our idea of God, We love in the same way. We love that which is already lovely. We love that which is lovable. We are attracted to that which is already attractive, which is worth pursuing, which is worth getting. We desire that which is desirable. So the young man loves as young men love. He loves what is lovely. Nothing wrong with that. And eternal life is a very attractive idea. Jesus loves too. Jesus loves the young man. It says so. He sees something in him, something maybe that even the young man doesn't see. A potential for eternal life, perhaps. So why doesn't the story end happily? The young man, after all, has kept all the commandments. Even he would make a great follower. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go. Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. You lack one thing, but what you lack is what you have. 
you have to get rid of what you have because what you have is really a lack. It's as simple as that. And it's very doable, but the young man can't do it. He goes his way, he goes away. Jesus does not run after him. We pray that maybe Jesus does track him down at some point. We don't know that. We do know that Jesus loves him, but even Jesus' love cannot hold him. Let me repeat. Jesus loves him. God so loved the world. Jesus loves him, but even Jesus' love does not hold him. There is no faith here. The young man's heart is too full already of love. (laughs) His heart is too full of love to hold the love of Jesus. There is no room for the love of Jesus. And Jesus loves like God loves, not like man loves. Man loves that which fills the heart, which he can catch and hold in his heart. Man loves what is lovely. God loves what is unlovely. God loves where there is nothing to love. Turn to Genesis 1, and we see how God loves. God makes something out of nothing, as he did in creation. God loves what is not, and makes something out of that nothing, and makes somebody's out of nobody's every day. And that's our story. God loves, then, the unlovely, the unlovable, the poor, and the unrighteous. God says to this young man, take what you have and give it to those poor and unrighteous, because I have come to call sinners and not the righteous. But there's no attraction in the poor and unrighteous, no love for them in this young man's heart. Loving them, giving him what was his, would do him no earthly good. God, too, has nothing to gain by loving the unloving. Nothing to gain at all. But God needs nothing, and that's very good news. God has everything to give, and that's even better news. That is God giving. All we have to do is receive And God gives the most to those who are most receptive, that is, those whose hands and whose hearts are empty. Is it possible, then, to love Christ with human love? To love others who are unlovable with the love that we have at birth? I would suggest that it is not. The only love we can give to those who are unloving and unlovable, those who we are called to love, is the love that God in Christ has given us and is giving us even as he pours it out within us. But that love is the fruit of faith. Without the tree of faith, that love will not be ours. Faith. What is the fruit of faith? What does it look like? Cooper answers that for us. 
The Spirit breathes upon the Word and brings the truth to sight. This is the most wonderful verse. Faith is found in God's promises, in his word. But as we open his word before us, the spirit breathes upon that word. And the spirit within, the Christ within, meets the Christ in the word. And the love begins to flow and we begin to come alive. Now we all want love. We want to love and be loved. We want to love what is lovely and be lovable in return, to be capable to receive that love. We long to belong. We say that all the time here, and it's true, that's reality. But the love we really need and the love we need to give come from God. And they are the fruit of faith and not the other way around. They are the fruit of trusting in that which we cannot see, hold, and have. And we cannot and do not make that faith. It's not in us. It's not ours to take. It's ours to receive, to accept. And that is a fine distinction. Faith comes from God. It is gift, pure gift. There is nothing we can give to get it, but we can give our thanks when that gift has been given and received. We will have doubts like Cooper, dark days. Perhaps. No, we will certainly have dark days. And to grow that faith... God sends us those dark days. God tests that faith, and again and again, and I say this to those facing life's big decisions where there is much to gain and much to lose, again and again, God will ask for everything we have in order to give us that which is us in him to receive, that which is ours to receive from him, he will give us if we can surrender everything we have. Does that mean we must have nothing? Hard to live with nothing in DuPage County, and whatever you may or may not have, even those with the least, even the least of us here, are rich beyond the wildest dreams of most of the world. I don't know where that process goes and where it ends. That's another topic. Right now, I think the message is for us to hold lightly what we have. We're all rich in someone's eyes, but hold what we have been given lightly. Be ready to give everything away. Our power, our possessions, our prestige, our reputation in the world. And hold tightly to Christ, never to let him go. He is all we've really got, and he is all we really need. Amen.